Welcome to the King's Healing Room Podcast, where we are a kingdom ministry within global presence. We are located at 4326 Pharaoh in Syracuse, New York, 13219, where the executive pastor is Elder Yulon Jones and the senior pastor and founder is Bishop Brian K. Hill Sr. All are welcome. Well, on today, right now, it is that time for us to have what God has crafted in my ministry to call the manna message. Amen. So um, each time that he has allowed me to deliver a word from him, he describes it as the manna message. And it's really exciting. Reflecting on my friends, my cops. <laughs> it reminds me of how blessed I am. I heard 
his words of advice. Hear me. Have to tell me right and wrong. Have to show me and guide me. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the one who gave me this of the life. And while my relationship with my father today is real sweet, it has always been that way. It has not always been that way. And like some of you, my brothers and sisters in the, in the crowd on social media, some of you may not have a good relationship with your father, with your dad, because we never know. So let us take a moment to recognize that Father's Day, while it's celebratory for some, it may be bittersweet for others. It may be bittersweet because they may have lost their father. They may not have that conjoined relationship. They may not understand the relationship without the Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. It may be bittersweet. And those reasons are innumerable. Whether your natural father was present, whether he was intermittently present, whether he was absent, there are opportunities, as we have seen throughout today and through the King's Hymnal, there's opportunities to glean from others who are God's figures. Amen. 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 And uh, I want to hear from people who I have, I have a great respect for in the community and have really shaped how some of my and so I looked at my 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 friend Samuel Jackson and I said Samuel what do you think about father? And he said my dad was a dad <laughs> so it was important to me that I was part of my daughter's life and she deserved two parents and Samuel told me that this was a part of his rationale for staying married for over 30 years. He learned from his father's errors, and he became a present father. And then I said, but Samuel, I need to hear a little more. And he said, I understood through rehab. Now that told me something about Samuel I didn't know before. But we didn't get into it in this dialogue. We will again. He said he learned from rehab things about creating characters. I understood that creating whole people means knowing where we come from, how we can make a mistake, and how we can overcome things that make ourselves stronger. Samuel Jackson told me his thoughts on fatherhood and what it was to mean a father. He recognized that there's mistakes that people make. But we heard it today, when you ask for forgiveness and your willingness to share that you've done something wrong, it only makes us stronger. Amen? Amen. And then I was like, okay, Samuel, I got that. You know, he's one of the most high-stage actors in the industry. And so I aspire to be one of the most highest day in my industry. Amen? So that's why I had to take a look at Sandy Webb, because we got learn from the wisdom of our fathers, right? And sometimes, when you don't have that visual, you got to go see it out. Glory to God. This is I call upon my other friend. Woo! I have to go like this for a second. I went and I asked Brother Denzel.
deep, that was pretty deep, that was pretty deep. But let me hear, I need to have something from, from somebody who is wise, who has, has been through some things that has been on public display, that has been spat on, that was incarcerated, that was in jail. So I said, listen, who can I call on to tell me what does it mean to be a father? And this respected leader, well-respected leader, Brother Nelson Mandela, President Nelson Mandela, said, to be a father of a nation is a great honor, but to be a father of a family is a greater joy. When that told me in that statement, we can have our father sit in the highest office. Everybody can call upon him, but it's in those intimate times that bring the greatest joy. It's in that time when, do you see me? Do you hear me even though I'm inaudible? Those times, when I go to give you a kiss, do you record or do you receive me? When I need a hug, are you there for me? He said, it's a great honor to be a father of the nation. Of all of those people who come and have need of you. But what about your family and the joy of a father? That's the greatest joy. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Great joy. Amen, amen, amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you right now. We thank you for even the, the men who have spoken on today, uh, Brother Samuel Jackson, Brother Denzel Washington, and even uh, Brother Nelson Mandela. We thank you for them telling us from their perspective what it means to be a father and what resonates in my spirit greater joy. Amen. Father, I decrease right now that you might increase in this place. Take these lips of clay and mold them together as only you know how. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be accessible in your sight. My Lord, my Prince, my Redeemer, my Savior, oh God, I thank you. I thank you. Let this word be to your people how you have designed for them to eat it. Let it up with them now and into the future, oh God. We thank you, we call your word blessed right now, and we activate it and tell it to go and achieve what you have declared. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. So as I ponder on greater joy, and that was the last thing that Nelson Mandela had said, greater joy, I was led to a familiar passage in the Bible. In that familiar passage I was led to, I was looking at it in a very different way, or at least for me, a very different way, and I'm invited to share it with you on today. So if you can turn to the book of Esther, chapter 2, we're going to reflect initially on the scripture 5 through 7. And as you journey over there, if you can raise your hand if you're there, or put your finger up to say, I'm on my way. I want us to journey this together. So I will pause and wait. Esther, chapter 2, verse 5 through 7. You there? On our way? Amen. Now, in Session, the palace where there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity which had been carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon had carried away. And he brought up Hadasha, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful, whom 
when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. Amen. It is important for us to see through this story of Esther that it begins with Mordecai. The passage describes the genealogy of Mordecai, including the fact that he was a Benjamite. Now many of you scholars that are here in the house on today and or the ones that are in social media know that Benjamin was the last child of Jacob and his was the only child of Rachel, who was Jacob's beloved wife, or one that he went through a whole bunch of chaos to get to. So Mordecai was a Benjamite, and he was from the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin, the Benjamite, was one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And when there was a war that broke out, that tribe was carried away into another land, into the land of Babylon. They were carried out of their culture. And remember the interplay between Father's Day on today and Juneteenth, being carried out of our land, being stripped on a lot of levels of our culture, being changed or having our name changed, being in a place that was of unfamiliarity. Mordecai experienced that as it relates to his ancestors. And it was so important when I was reading it to look at our genealogy. Many of us forget or don't know where we have come from or where our ancestors have come from, and we actually take for granted the platform in which we sit on today. That platform that we sit on today is as a result of those who have come before us, those ancestors down in antiquity. And when we begin to think about fathers, we have to think about fathers by thinking about the progenitor, the person who has given us the life, who has created life within us to allow us to be who we are today. Mordecai acknowledged his general generations that went before him. He acknowledged the fact that he was there in this foreign land. He did not complain. He worked in the foreign land. He worked in the kingdom, in the king's house. And working in this foreign land, in the king's house, he was able to receive word that when Vashti, we're not going to talk about Vashti on today. She is an amazing person. But sometimes the Lord will remove someone for another person to come on stage for what? Greater joy. For what? Greater good. Amen? So we're not going to, uh, we're not going to speak negatively on Vashti today because I got another message that really celebrates her. And, and I love Vashti. But right now, on today, Mordecai was in the house. He was in the palace and he heard the king's servants say, after they put Vashti out, that the king should uh, be healed from his sadness because he loved Vashti a lot, a very lot. But when she did not do what he wanted her to do, he banished her. His voice said, you don't have to be sad for her. Go put a decree out into the land for a young virgin. And um, and that will satisfy you. Let's have you forget about Vashti. That's another story. Let's pick up on the decree in the land. Mordecai, not being of the world, but being in the world, heard that there was going to be a decree. And this young woman that he had raised, he raised her from an orphan. Her mother and her father died. Her mother and father were separated. He carried the weight of the infraction of his name from being stripped from his culture. Mordecai, which means warrior, followed this little god called Marduk. This man, Mordecai, whose character is described as observant, active, loyal, 
a man with a warrior nature, a man that was ready to fight, to use the tools to fight. This is the man who is at the center of our discussion on today. So I talked to you about there may be some who may have had a father and they may have a relationship with their father. They may not have their father here. But we can look to the scripture to find those who have the characteristics of the father. And we can draw inspiration from them. And so Mordecai, he did not birth Hadassah, H-A-D-A-S-S-A-H. When she was orphaned or when nobody was there, he took her up and he raised her. And creative license tells me that when he took her up and he raised her, he taught her from a man's point of view. He taught her to be pretty, to be adorning. He taught her to be obedient. He taught her to listen to those who were in authority. He taught her from a man's perspective. And when Mordecai heard from the kingdom that he was going to go out and bring a young virgin in, it was interesting to me that Mordecai went and asked Esther, excuse me, Hadassah, and he called her Esther to come and apply for the job. Now I can imagine, because Esther was a Jew, and her name Hadassah means myrtle tree or joy. We're talking about greater joy, I'm saying, right? So her name means myrtle tree, which I can imagine displays the roots of her lineage. And I asked the question, why would he, knowing that she was a Jew, have her come and apply for a job for the king? Now, Creative License tells me that Mordecai didn't know the fullness of what was going to take place, but he was used, as every father is, to put the daughter in position. To put the daughter in position to bloom and then to blossom. Mordecai. Mordecai. Mordecai is just like our fathers. He had compassion. He had compassion on somebody that was not even his own child. Yeah. He had compassion. He put himself into the space of the father and the mother. And I thought about it and said, it's interesting that he, it doesn't, the, the scripture doesn't recount that Mordecai had any children of his own. So I can imagine that he gave full attention to his daughter. I could imagine that each evening he would come and say, you know, this is happening at the kingdom, or this is going on. But something in him recognized that there was purpose in the palace, and he wanted her to partake of it. So he did a couple of things. He changed her name. He changed her name. Hadessah, 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 in her weakness, having no father. He knew that if and when she came to the palace, if she was called by her name Hadessah, she would not be received. So he used wisdom and he changed that name. Hadessah, Hadessah. Likewise, according to Ezekiel 16, 5-7, but God did the same thing for our ancestors. He saw us. He had compassion on us. He said, no one cared enough for you to do even these things out of compassion for you. Instead, God said this to us. We were thrown into an open field because we were despised on the day of our birth. Now, when I bring that into today's age, just by the color of our skin, oftentimes we are despised on the day of our birth. And we didn't choose the color of our skin, amen? So we can't often give place to it. Our name at times are changed to fit into the likeliness of what is going on in this nation. Ezekiel also said that God said, when I passed by thee, and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, Thou was with thy blood. Live, yea, I said unto thee, When thou waste in thy blood, 
there. That's Ezekiel 16, 5 and 7. And I could imagine that in that time frame, he wanted more for her. He wanted more for her than he was willing or able to give to her on his own. Sometimes God puts us in positions and places. He says he will have the evil or the enemies be our footsteps, our footstools. He said he will allow us to make the foolish things to confound the wise. It did not make sense to me why Mordecai would put his niece, his cousin, his daughter in position. Now, I say cousin and niece because scholars are still debating whether, whether Esther was his cousin or whether he was her niece. So that's what I'm saying. Because some say uncle and some say uh, niece. Some say that she was his cousin. So that's why I'm saying niece, cousin, daughter. Because he fulfilled all of those for Esther. Hadassah. And so, beloved, hold fast to the promise that God has given unto you. That he said that when mother and father forsake thee, he will take you up. When mother and father abandon you, or when they don't have the direction for you, or the guidance of you, turn to, turn to him. Amen? He will take you up. So Mordecai teaches us the importance of a father. And I'm going to tell you how he teaches that in three points. First one, he teaches us to carry on the lineage of the strength of the family. Fathers carry on the lineage of the strength of the family. They can't do it on their own. When we talk about Poppy, Edward James, Edward Jabbar, we talk about the lineage of the Lacey family and all of what that entails. And as they discover their lineage, then the strength of that lineage is displayed right now on today. When you talk about your father, um, uh, Bishop Clark, Elder Clark, you just spoke about the lineage that lives on today even through your words. The lineage. The lineage. Carry on the lineage. That means we hold that weight and that burden of our mainstay. Because God will bless us not for our rights that we've done. And he surely will not bless us according to all of the wrongs we've done. But oftentimes we're blessed by our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus for his name's sake. His name's sake. Amen. How many of you all out have some kids that you bless because they are your children? You bless them, you dress them, you give to them because they are attached to you. They're connected to you. They're your children. Amen. For your name's sake. Mordecai taught us that. To carry on the strength of family. When he accepted the assignment to raise somebody else's child. We are our brother's keeper. We are our sister's keeper. And Mordecai gives us that example that when we see somebody that does not have that guidance and that direction in their home, that we are responsible to take up the mantle and to bless them as our fathers and mothers have blessed us. Amen. We are Jews, the Abraham, Isaac, 
God. He protected that by changing her name. Through his observant action, Mordecai was able to identify the need in the kingdom, and he put Adesha into purpose, excuse me, into position to fulfill her purpose. And he recognized that with that name change, he was protecting the innocent from the guilty. How many of you have been protected by your Lord and Savior in times when others would have diminished you, when others would have desecrated you? He protected you in his name. Because all you had to do was call on the name of Jesus. Amen. So all you had to do was shout out, send your angel, the cavalry, the army. Amen. All you had to do was say, touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. And there was a shield up that went up and surrounded you. Amen. All you had to do in the midnight hour was say, Jesus, I need you. That's that kind of protection that Mordecai taught us, that a father does, that a father's love does, that when nobody else is there, you say, what would Jesus do? What would my father do in this situation? And it brings me to when he was in the garden of Eden. And Peter went, reach and cut off that boy's ear. And the father said, mm-hmm, you're behind me because I need to walk through this to fulfill my purpose. Now that's something that a father has taught me. The fathers in my life, the Dr. Ruben Cowards, the James Lacey, the John Maxies, the Poppy Lacey's, they taught me that sometimes a father is needed, most times a father is needed, because a mother's heart is just too oh, attached. A mother's heart is just too attached to her children that they will go above and beyond and continue to, to fill in the gap. Yeah. When it comes, what is really needed is for you to back up. that in which 
God has sent it to do. Amen. So I thank you all today for your obedience because I know that those words of wisdom, and yes, they were words of wisdom, will be drawn and dropped and planted into the hearts and minds of God's people. Somebody else will come and water it, and God will get the increase. But if we do not take action, meaning we got to do something, if we do not take action, then God will still accomplish what he set out to do. We just won't be a part of it. Amen. Because I remember that passage that says that his word will not return void. Empty, but it shall accomplish that what it is set out to do. That's right. Amen. Mordecai reminds us to take action for the greater good. Mm. And according to Esther 4, 13 through 16, Mordecai was instrumental in Esther taking action. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house, more than all the Jews? For if thou altogether hold thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise from the Jews from another place. But thou in thy father's house, he said thy father's house, her father was deceased. Thou in thy father's house, he told her she had a, a um, she had a commitment for the generations of her legacy, of her genealogy. He made it personal to her. Your father's house shall be destroyed. So can you imagine if we don't step up to do what we need to do for our young and young at heart, then our lineage, our God will be destroyed throughout this land. Amen? Amen. And who knows whether thou art come in the kingdom for such a time as this. Now I know that we have lots and lots of people who, who praise Esther for that she's come to the kingdom for such a time as this. But our subject matter on today, Mordecai, he's the one who is the focus and the center of our attention. Because a father is a man who gives the integrity of a decision. And he will hold us accountable for the greater good. Amen? He held her accountable. Yes, this opportunity was provided for you. But don't forget to tithe. Yes, this opportunity was provided for you. But don't forget to reach back and bring somebody else along. Yes! You were beautified. Yes! You have all the perfume. Yes! You have all of the dainty clothes, the, the food, all of that. But don't forget those of us who you are standing on the shoulders in order for you to be in that place. He called to Esther and made her accountable, not just for that thing, not just for her, not just for him, You're going to have what you need. And if I see that there's a gap, I'm going to 
that was a blessing. That is what God does for us. He gives us the scripture and he says, this is my word. Read it. Then he backs up and he allows us to go ponder. And he allows us to say, oh, I didn't spend time with the Lord today. He does not come back. Did you read my word yet? Did you read my word yet? Did you tithe? Did you get an offering? He doesn't do that like a mother would. Because I know, I know, I have that reminded spirit. And I have a teaching spirit. I'm going to break it all down into little bits so that you can understand it. But the father would say, they know what to do. And they understand the consequences when they don't do it. And it's in that pause. So when you go and think about your father who's in your life, or the characters who are the fathers in your life, and it seems like they are disengaged, disenchanted, not paying attention, know that they are giving opportunity for that pause to be there. For you, actually, our God does this. He does not force himself in. He gives you the opportunity to come through the door that is inviting. And that's what Mordecai has said to me on today. He gave Esther the opportunity to choose. To choose life and life more abundantly. To choose. Mordecai demonstrated courage. He demonstrated humility, integrity, which are all the characteristics of a good father. He was willing to speak up and defy what everybody else was doing. He was willing to do that because he did not bow down to Haman. So our fathers have to be willing to say no. I will not. And everything else will fall in line. They have to be willing to take that first hit. They can't leave it up to the wife. Our shoulders are big, but they're not meant for that. Our hands are wide. But they're not meant to carry that burden. Our brains are good, but they're not meant to solve every problem. The fathers have to be there for the daughters, for the wives, for the community. But most importantly, they have to be there for their God. Because when God is the guidance, like Mordecai, they will have the burden upon them for the generation, for the genealogy, for the lineage, but they will be so compassionate to recognize the spirit of a young woman and to put them into places and into positions that will cause them to fulfill the purpose. Amen. And one of God talking a lot. And I hope that when you all get a chance that you go home and you think about him as well and you celebrate him. He falls into the backdrop while Esther goes into the front and she's able to um, choose the right way, go on the fast, and, and be accounted for saving many people. Yeah. However, like me, like you, we can't forget our Father in the midst. So as we stand on today and reflect and remember God, in conclusion of this, this worship experience that has gotten me all teared up, yeah. is remembering that whatever position, whatever purpose we have for our lives, we must remember the man of God that has preserved us, protected us, and put us into position for us to fulfill our purpose. Amen. So let us stand on today. Glory to God. Glory to your name, O God. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we bow before you right now and we say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for leaving on record what Mordecai was to your kingdom, what Mordecai was to our genealogy, what Mordecai was to the women of this world, God. We thank you because Every single woman 
have those, whether they be in social media world, or whether they be here in this room, if you have a good relationship with your father or a father figure, great job. Model that relationship by speaking well, by sharing that relationship with others. If you have a challenging relationship with your father or your father figure, then I invite you to do as um, Mabel explained earlier, is to pray for them. Amen. To pray, to pray, to pray. And to manage expectations. Because God said in his word in Exodus 14, he said that the Lord, your maker, is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. Your maker is your provider. The Lord Almighty is his name. So let us continue to lift up the men of God, the fathers of God, the progenerators, the ones who have fatherhood in their belly and have not experienced it yet. Let us keep them in our hearts and minds. And women, wailing women, let us pray that they will be in line, be in position to protect the lineage, to protect the genealogy, to put the men and women into position that they might affect change in a positive way. Father, we know that you can do it. We know that you are well able to do this and that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish what it set out to do. We know this. We know this. And we stand on the platform wherever we go to say this is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. As we celebrate you on today, Father, our first Father, our Father God, our El Shaddai, our King of Kings, our Lord of Lords, our Counselor, our Comforter, our Man who is the sustenance in the times when no one else is there. We say thank you for being God, yes. the God of all flesh. We say thank you, because there is nothing too hard for you. We love you on today, not as we leave from this place, but never ever from your presence. We ask you, oh God, to keep watch the light upon us. We ask that you send your angels out to protect us mentally, physically, emotionally, psychologically, financially, yes, financially, yes, financially, yes, financially, and Senior Pastor Bishop Brian K. Hill's senior photo. You also can use our text to give. Here how it works. There are five steps. Step one, text GIFT to 1-844-981-2759, which is a unique to the King's Hiller Room. Step two, you will receive a text with instructions. Step three, follow the instructions to set up a given account. Step four, text the amount you want to give and the designation. It could be a tithe, offering, or general fund. In step five, you will receive a receipt via email confirming your gift. And here's the last way you can give. You can use PayPal and send your donation to tkhroffice at gmail.com. That is tkhroffice at 
gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to listen to more messages like the ones you have heard. We are the King's Healing Room and we are a kingdom ministry with a global presence.